of maroon still hung from her. She nipped a great hank of it free and gulped it down before she spoke. Perhaps you should join Aubrin's tangle if you missed out Malkin's words. I, for one, will follow him north. Better to go too soon than too late. Better to go early, perhaps, than to come with scores of other tangles and have to vie for feeding. She moved lithely through a knot made of her own body, rubbing the last fragments of old hide free. She shook her own mane, then threw back her head. Her shrill trumpeting disturbed the water. I come, Malkin! I follow you! She moved up to join their still circling leader in his twining dance overhead. One at a time, the other great serpents heaved their long bodies free of clinging muck and outgrown skin. All, even Cesuria, rose from the depths to circle in the warm water just below the ceiling of the plenty, joining in the tangle's dance. They would go north, back to the waters from whence they had come, in the long-ago time that so few now remembered. Midsummer Chapter One of Priests and Pirates Kennet walked the tide-line, heedless of the salt waves that washed around his boots as they licked the sandy beach clean of his tracks. He kept his eyes on the straggling line of seaweed, shells, and snags of driftwood that marked the water's highest reach. The tide was just turning now, the waves falling ever shorter in their pleading grasp upon the land. As the salt water retreated down the black sand, it would bear the worn molars of shale and tangles of kelp that now hid beneath the waves. On the other side of Others Island, his two-masted ship was anchored in Deception Cove. He had brought the Marietta into anchor there, as the morning winds had blown the last of the storm clean of the sky. The tide had still been rising then, the fanged rocks of the notorious cove grudgingly receding beneath frothy green lace. The ship's gig had scraped over and between the barnacled rocks to put him and Gankis ashore on a tiny crescent of black sand beach that disappeared completely when storm winds drove the waves up past the high tide marks. Above, slate cliffs loomed, and evergreens so dark they were nearly black, leaned precariously out in defiance of the prevailing winds. Even to Kennet's iron nerves, it was like stepping into some creature's half-open mouth. They'd left Opal, the ship's boy, with the gig, to protect it from the bizarre mishaps that so often befell on guarded craft in Deception Cove. Much to the boy's unease, Kennet had commanded Gankis to come with him, leaving the boy and boat alone. At Kennet's last sight, the boy had been perched in the beached boat. His eyes had alternated between fearful glances over his shoulder at the forested cliff-tops and staring anxiously out to where the Marietta strained against her anchors, yearning to join the racing current that swept past the mouth of the cove. 
The hazards of visiting this island were legendary. It was not just the hostility of the best anchorage on the island, nor the odd accidents known to befall ships and visitors. The whole of the island was enshrouded in the peculiar magic of the others. Kenneth had felt it tugging at him as he and Gankis followed the path that led from Deception Cove to the Treasure Beach. For a path seldom used, its black gravel was miraculously clean of fallen leaves or intruding plant life. About them the trees dripped the second-hand rain of last night's storm onto fern fronds already burdened with crystal drops. The air was cool and alive. Brightly-hued flowers, always growing at least a man's length from the path, challenged the dimness of the shaded forest floor. Their scents drifted